chapter 9, verse number 26. Daniel chapter 9, verse number 26. Daniel is writing about, and I just uh, uh, enjoyed some of the uh, Sunday school uh, lessons that Brother Paul Horn, I couldn't remember his last name. I remembered your wife, Arlene, but I couldn't remember your last name. Paul Horn's uh, Sunday school uh, class that he had with Daniel, and man, that was good. I mean, that was deep. I mean, it went far deeper than, than I've kind of hit on the surface here when I've preached about these in the past, but uh, Daniel was writing some things that God was revealing to him about the Messiah that was coming, about the Savior, about that one who was going to rescue mankind from their sin, and he's writing all of these things, and and things maybe not have been totally clear to Daniel, not really understanding everything that he wrote, but he's getting a revelation from God and, and the prophecy that God was giving him about uh, the future events and about the Messiah to come. And he writes this in Daniel chapter 9, verse number 26. And after three score and two weeks, score is 20, so that's 20, 40, 60, um, that was uh, 62 weeks, shall uh, Messiah be cut off but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood, and unto the end of the war desolations are determined. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And, well, let me just kind of fill in here as uh, what we have seen is the, the interpretation of uh, a day of this is a year, so a week is actually seven years. And so for one week or for seven years, he'll, he'll confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week, or three and a half years, in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation that determined and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Now here he's He's revealing some things, and here's the introduction of this. You'll hear this later on, even referred to by Jesus, the, the abomination of desolation that is, is said, is uh, mentioned by Daniel here, and he's talking about the Messiah and the things that are going to be coming in the tribulation period, which we haven't seen yet, but it's right around the corner, folks. I'm, I'm confident of that. But anyway, it's, it's got to be soon. We don't know when, because Jesus said you're not going to know the day nor the hour, but it's coming. And he's, he's revealing these things about what will take place in the tribulation period when the Antichrist shall arise, and, and he's going to make that covenant with Israel. And in the midst of that week or that seven years, he's going to go back on his word and the abomination of desolation. He's going to set himself up to be worshipped as God himself. Now, these things are taking place, but what he said back in verse number 26, that... The Messiah, the Lord, the Savior, it says, shall be cut off, cut off, killed, destroyed, brought down. And here he is, Daniel's writing things, these things about things he has no clue about. God's giving him information about the future. But this says, and as he's writing these things, and, and uh, the, the, uh, our hero, our Savior, the Messiah shall be cut off. What? I can see Daniel as he's writing these things, saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. What, what are we talking about? And you know what's really neat is how God gave the, the exact dates and times from the time of, you know, he, he sets a marker in a historical sand to the exact time that Jesus Christ would be 
offered up on the cross, the Messiah shall be cut off. Lord, thank you so much for this, your, your word, and I pray that you help us to see some things that would be a blessing. Lord, I know there's some deep and varied things that we're going to be dealing with. Help me to, to gather my thoughts and bring them all together so that we can make sense of these prophecies and Daniel's reactions and, and the, the nature of our Savior. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to recognize just who you are. Lord, I pray that we would gain from these stories and these prophecies about our relationship and our walk with you today. Lord, I pray that you open up our hearts and our minds, give us clarity, help our focus to be where it should be in the next few moments. Help us, Lord, as we look to your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. In 2 Samuel chapter number 16, now we'll get back here. But in 2 Samuel chapter 16, when David took over the kingdom from the previous dynasty of Saul, King Saul. And you remember that whole thing, uh, even before Goliath, uh, Saul was having some emotional problems and they called this boy that could play the harp really well, soothing. Music soothes the, the heart of the savage beast and sure did with King Saul. He had this evil spirit and every once in a while they would call this this kid that could really play the harp well. And, you know, I could imagine be very proficient like some of our ladies or, or men around here that can, that can really do well with uh, the instruments. And <clears throat> David was, was able to make that thing sing. You know, we, we read some of the Psalms and um, the Psalms are actually songs. You know, the Lord is my shepherd. That's from David. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. And, and he, he's putting that to, to music. And I could see as, as he's sitting there as a shepherd boy out on the open fields in Israel to be playing these things and, and putting these words. And, oh, man, wonderful, wonderful. But anyway, so that was David. And so David actually uh, had some to do with King Saul before Goliath. But you remember that story how that uh, Goliath, the Philistine, came down to the Valley of Elah and he, you know, barked out these these charges, this challenge to the Israelites, and they would say, okay, just send one person, and, and we'll go ahead and fight, and, and here, we'll, we'll just, rather than having everybody fight together, and a lot of people lose their lives, just the best of the best would meet down here in this valley, and the winner would be the, the winner, and then the losers would, would uh, uh, be subject to that nation. And everybody's shaking in their boots, you know, this guy's eight to ten foot, as far as the uh, you know, the, the measurements that we're, we're you know, given in the, in the Word of God. Can you imagine? Goodness, here's this guy that's just this monster of a man, and he says, send out a man that we may fight. And they're in a position of, they're locked. They're locked up. Nobody's going down there. They're all considering what's going on. Uh, there's an offer of anybody goes down there and kills this guy, then, you know, you're going to get all kinds of, uh, you know, uh, national... Uh, uh, um, payments and and uh, you've got a, 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 a damsel that is uh, Saul's daughter is available and all that and and so but nobody wants to move and and everybody's scared to death and David comes out of nowhere to bring cheeses and bread to his his uh, uh, brothers who are in that army and I don't know how old he is at this time 16 17 years old he's a kid and he comes in there and 
and asking, what's going on here? What's going on here? About that time, again, that day, uh, Goliath comes down to the, to the uh, uh, valley, and he barks out his challenge, send out a man. And you know what? Everybody's looking at him, and there was a great commotion, and David says, what is going on here? And you know the whole story, how that God used David to bring down Goliath. Wow, what a story. What a story. Well, that was uh, the beginning of some victory there with the entire nation. But those around began to praise David I'm, more than King Saul. Uh, Saul has slain his thousands, but David has slain his ten thousands. And that big green-eyed monster began to, to raise up in Saul, and he, he began to... to hate David, and he, and he wanted to take him out, and he saw him as a threat, and, uh, and so from that point on, he actually tried to kill David, he tried to manipulate things where he put him in a situation where he would bring him down, and, and, uh, and, but David didn't, I mean, David's attitude was, I, I'm not going to lay a hand on the Lord's anointed, Saul is king, and, and God has placed him on the throne, so I'm not touching him, I'm not bringing him down, and, and he had an excellent attitude. But there were others in that dynasty of King Saul who felt as, those, felt as Saul did, although it was all unrighteous. It was, it was not according to truth. Uh, Saul wasn't even in reality. But there were others of the tribe of Benjamin, like this man that we're going to read about in 2 Samuel chapter 16, this man named Shimei, who, who took up Saul's offense. And when Saul came down, and here is after uh, uh, Saul was, was uh, killed and David uh, ascended to the throne, and there was great peace and there was some, some great prosperity there. And, uh, and in this situation, you have the, the story of David's own son, Absalom, rising up in a coup to try to bring down David. And David had to flee Jerusalem with, with his entourage and his bodyguards, I guess. And, uh, and boy, he was not in a good position. God put that whole thing down, and eventually you know the story how that Absalom was killed and David w was placed back on the throne. But this was a time where David was under the gun. This was a, a shameful time for David. It was an awful time. It was an embarrassing time for David where his own son rises up to try to uh, take the throne and kill his father. And so David had to run for his life. And when David's running for his life, you had those who were of King Saul's company, a Benjamite named Shimei, who, who took his part with King Saul. It was all unrighteous. It was, it, nothing was, was according to reality or, or truthfulness. David didn't deserve any of that, but here's Shimei that came out of nowhere when David's running for his life. And here's where we pick it up in 2 Samuel chapter 16. Look at verse number 5. And when King David came to Bahurim, behold, thence came out a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei, the son of Jera. He came forth and cursed still as he came. And he cast stones at David. Can you imagine that? You know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of when a little kid goes to some uh, zoo and sees the king of beasts behind this iron um, bars and we'll take rocks and cement and fling it at it. Yeah, try to do that without the bars, kid. 
Well, that's what's going on with, with Shimei. He has this opportunity. I mean, uh, he, he thinks that David rose to the throne and to power unrighteously. And, and he, was, he was, I mean, his attitude towards David, he hated David and he hated every. And here was his opportunity. Here was his chance. David is fleeing for his life. And, and his, his top soldiers are with him. And they're, they're going on. And, and here this man, he starts kicking up dust and throwing, actually throwing stones at David. Here, maybe across the river or something. And he's throwing stones at David and that crowd and all the servants of King David. And all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left. And thus said Shimei when he cursed, come out, come out, thou bloody man and thou man of Belial. That means like he's a, 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 a demon worshiper. No, that wasn't David. You and I know that. He might, might have known that, but there were lies, there were, there were accusations, and he's accusing David of, of things that just wouldn't right. And this is what Shimei says, The Lord hath returned upon thee all the blood of the house of Saul, in whose stead thou hast reigned. And the Lord hath delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom thy son. And behold, thou art taken in thy mischief, because thou art a bloody man. Now what he's doing, he's accusing David of taking the throne, of manipulating and bringing down the previous king, King Saul. That was not David. <clears throat> you remember that one time that he was in the, in the, the cave of Adullam and here's King uh, Saul comes in and, and uh, he's there, doesn't even know David's around. He's sleeping and he, and he uh, uh, takes his sword once and he takes his, uh, part of his garment another time. And, and, I mean, he could have taken his dagger and took care of, of King Saul right there, had, had, had just moved him out of the way, and then ascended the throne like God said that he was going to do. He wasn't going to do that. I mean, he protected him. Others of his servants wanted to do that. He protected him. He says, no, no, that's the, that's the king's anointed. We're not going to lift our hand against the I mean, that's, what, that's David's character. That's who he was. And here Shimei says, you're a bloody man. <coughs> you, you brought King Saul down. Lies, lies, all lies. <coughs> but he has a platform. He can say what he wants to say now. David's at a disadvantage. He's, he's not at a position of strength. Goodness. Now we're a bloody man, he says. Verse 9. Then said Abishai, the son of Zerai, unto the king. This is one of his top guards here. He, he says unto the king, why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? <laughs> I like the way he, I mean, you could, you could just see the, the hatred that the soldier has listening to this guy curse his king. He says, let me go over, I pray thee, and take off his head. And the king said, what have I to do with you, ye sons of Uri? So let him curse, because the Lord hath said unto him, Curse David. Who shall then say, Wherefore hast thou done so? And David said to Abishai and to all his servants, Behold, my son, which came forth out of my bowels, seeketh my life. How much more now may this Benjamite do it? Let him alone, and let him curse, for the Lord hath bidden him. I mean, David was taking his medicine at this point. We don't really, I mean, it's not said here, but you know there were some things that happened years earlier with David and Bathsheba and what, what happened down there and, and that the prophet said, this is going to, it's never going to leave your home. There's going to be violence at your own home, and that's exactly what's going on. His own son rises up against him, and so here he's just saying, 
maybe this is of the Lord. Maybe I'm, you know, maybe I'm just getting what's coming to me. Verse 12. It may be that the Lord will look on mine affliction and that the Lord will requite me good for his cursing this day. And as David and his men went by the way, Shimei went along the hillside over against him and cursed as he went and threw stones at him and cast dust and just making a scene with these accusations. Wow. So that's what was going on here at, at this time. And so David's got his tail tucked between his legs and he's running in, in shame. Now we'll take a look at 2 Samuel chapter 19. In 2 Samuel chapter number 19, this is <clears throat> after the conflict. It's painful for David because his son Absalom had to die, but Absalom was out of the way. He was taken. The whole coup was, was silenced and put down. David's coming back on the throne. He's, he's arising back on the throne, and now <laughs> he's in that position of strength. The bars weren't there anymore. Lion was looking at his subjects face to face, eye to eye. And now he's returning and, and now he's, he's uh, <clears throat> back in the, in the security of his, his own throne and his <clears throat> kingdom and those of, of his uh, 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 subjects. I wonder if somebody could uh, run out there and throw me one of those little waters and, and it would help. I think I, I might use it today. Look at verse number 16, 2 Samuel chapter 19, verse 16. It says, and Shimei, oh, you remember that guy? The guy that cursed and the guy that threw stones and the guy that uh, had the accusations that were all lies, but hey, he, he said what he wanted to say. He, he, he put salt in the wound of David's uh, uh, problems when he was uh, down and out. It says, and Shimei, the son of Jera, a Benjamite, which was of Barum, hasted and came down with the men of Judah to meet King David. Oh, now he's coming back to King David. Now, what is he going to say? What do you think he's going to say? What do you think this guy's going to say when... <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate it. Good. Yeah, good catch. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Larry. Well, here he is. Look at verse number... Uh, where did we end up? Verse number 17. He came down to quickly in a different attitude to meet King, King David. Verse 17. And there was a thousand men of Benjamin with him, and Ziba, the servant of the house of Saul, and his 15 sons, and his 20 sons with him. And they went over Jordan before the king, and they went over a ferry boat to, to carry over the king's household and do what he thought good. And Shimei, the son of Jerah, fell down before the king as he was come over Jordan, and said unto the king, Oh, please, please, let not my lord impute iniquity unto me. Neither do thou remember that which thy servant did perversely the day that my lord the king went out of Jerusalem that the king should take it to his heart. He says, don't pay attention to what he said. I was out of insanity. It was just insanity. Don't take it to heart. I, I was so perverse. I was so wrong. <coughs> Talk about an apology here. He, <coughs> he's really groveling. Uh, where do we end up? Verse 20. And, and thy servant doth know that I have sinned. Therefore, behold, am I come the first day of all the house of Joseph to go down to meet my lord the king. But Abishai, yeah, you remember that servant, that, that soldier that was next to David that says, let me take his head right now. Just, it won't, it won't, it won't, it won't be, I'll do it quick. And here's, here's this guy standing by listening to the, 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 the stuff that this guy is putting out of his lips. 
Abishai, the son of Zerui, answered and said, Shall not Shimei be put to death for this because he cursed the Lord's <coughs> anointed? <coughs> and David said, Back off. What have I to do with you, ye sons of Zerui, that ye should do this day be adversaries unto me? Shall there be any man put to death this day in Israel? Or do not I know that I am this day king over Israel? Wow. David was secure. He knew all along his position. What, what he's saying is, Shimei, I don't have to prove that I'm king and I have authority, that I have the power of your life and death in my hands. He, didn't have, he told his, his servants, hey, back off. You don't need to, listen, we don't need to go there. I know I'm the king. That's secure. There's no doubt about that. There's not a conflict here. I don't have to prove anything. Regardless of David's popularity, whether he's sitting on the throne or there was this coup that rose up and he's fleeing for his life, David didn't change. He was the king when he was back in that situation to where he was running away from Absalom, his own son's coup. He was the king then, and he was the king later. Nothing changed. David had power, he, he uh, held power, and he remained with power. Regardless of David's popularity, he did not change. Whether or not you have those that will <coughs> laud him, or those that will criticize him, lie about him, slander him, tear him down. Listen, it didn't matter. David was still the king. You know, uh, many times we'll look at King David and remember that the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, David was... Uh, a, uh, a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord, the, the Lord said that he's going to return to earth and sit upon the throne of David as his throne when he rules and reigns over this earth, the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ. Because David was just kind of a mirror. He was, he was kind of a foreshadow of, of Jesus. And you want to know something, folks? It doesn't matter what people think of our, our Savior right now. He's still king. He's, he, regardless of, of those who slander him or regardless of those who love him, regardless of those who are with him or not, he's still king. And, and that's David's position. He didn't have to prove anything because he was still king. Well, now, we talked about, we started with uh, uh, Daniel. So let me get back there. Here's Daniel. He's, he's writing about the king, the Messiah, the Savior, the Almighty, the one who, who is the Lion of the tribe of Judah that shall rule and reign. And he's writing about him and he comes across his prophecy and he says, and the Messiah shall be cut off? Our, our Savior, our hero, the, the Lion of the tribe of Judah shall be cut, the Messiah shall be cut off, meaning destroyed, brought down, killed? What? What? What's going on here? Let's carefully lay the foundation of what's going on. In uh, the verse that we started, where Daniel chapter 9, verse number 26, where it says, the Messiah shall be cut off, verse uh, 26 makes it clear that the Savior, in the prophecy of the Savior that would be coming to earth, he would be killed. This prophetic puzzle was an enigma to Daniel. 
and no doubt to other New Testament prophets or Old Testament prophets and some of the New Testament prophets before everything was made clear, they're, they're, they're reading the scripture. They're even prophesying some of these things that would take place and, and they're not grasping it. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 10, this is what the Bible says about those Old Testament prophets. Even the ones that were given pen and paper and that were writing what God told them to write and they're looking at it and they're going, what is going on here? See, now we look at everything from our perspective and we see everything back there. We know what happened to Christ. We know his first uh, appearance was that, that uh, sacrifice. He was to be the, 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 the sin bearer. He was to be that. Now we understand that, but they, I'm not so sure that they, they all grasp that. They're, they're writing these things, and the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10, <clears throat> of which salvation the prophets, and he's talking about Old, Old Testament prophets here like Daniel, the prophets have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand of the sufferings of Christ and of the glory that should follow. What is it? <coughs> Would Christ be, be uh, enjoying glory, all the glory of his creation, the, the glory of authority, or would, would he be suffering? And, and they're prophesying of the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. And they're, I'm sure they're, 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 they're uh, having a tough time with trying to grasp these prophecies. As, as Daniel writes, the Messiah shall be cut off. It says that they were searching. They were, they were diligently searching the scriptures, trying to figure out what does this mean? How, in the, how do you put this thing together? And so they're, they're inquired and searching diligently of the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should... See, they're searching and inquiry, inquiring uh, uh, lens to detecting that they didn't quite grasp the whole picture. How could, how could this Messiah, <clears throat> meaning the anointed one, the exalted one, the king, how could he, he, he be cut off or killed? Daniel had a hard time recon reconciling the whole contents of the 70 weeks of verse number 24 of, of chapter 9 of Daniel where uh, it included the final score of the ushering in of God's everlasting righteousness and the exaltation and coronation of the most holy one with his death, in verse 26, the Messiah shall be cut off. See, the patriotic Jew, then and, and even now, was well acquainted with prophetic passages of the coming hero and the king. David's 24th Psalm, this is a prophecy about that reigning Messiah, about that lion of the tribe of Judah, about the king that would come. Uh, Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Verse number 7 says, The king of glory shall come in. It's talking about that Messiah. It's talking about the, the Almighty One. It's talking about the Lion of the tribe of Judah. The King of Glory, he's called there. In verse 8, who is this King of Glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Verse 10 says, who is this King of Glory? The Lord of hosts, he is the King of Glory. <clears throat> ah, the coming Messiah. But if you look at the previous Psalm, <clears throat> you see another picture of the same Messiah. Only this time he's painted as the good shepherd. See, that was a psalm of David, verse uh, Psalm 24. Psalm 23, you remember we talked about that? 
The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. And, and he, he looks to this, his Messiah, as a shepherd. N not a sovereign, not a reigning king, not the lion. No, no, like a shepherd. And, and there you have it in Psalm 23. It's a pic same, picture of the same person. Picture of the same king, except he's portrayed there as a shepherd. <clears throat> and not to confuse things even worse, go to the psalm before that, the, the chapter 22. He's painted there as the sacrifice for the human race. Same Messiah. Psalm 22, verse number 6. This is what it says. But I am, in, in this is a prophecy of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. This is a prophecy of his death. This is a foretelling some 700 years or so prior to the time that Jesus would come. Matter of fact, this was even before crucifixion was even invented. And it was a picture of a crucifixion you can't get out of that. I mean, it's, it's so clear. It is so, so uh, 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 precise. <clears throat> Psalm 22, verse number 6. I am a reproach of men and despised of the people. <clears throat> verse 7. All they that see me, this Messiah, this King, this Savior says, they laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip. <clears throat> they shake the head saying, he trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. Now note the very fulfillment of that verse. The very fulfillment, now we'll get right back here, is in the Gospels where Jesus is on the cross. Matthew chapter 27, verse number 41. The Bible says the chief priest mocking him with the scribes and with the elders said the very words, he saved others. Himself he cannot save if he be king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now if God's going to have him now. What accusation? What slander? They're, they're, they're casting that upon our pure Savior. I can, see, I can see why Jesus had to say in those moments, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Because that was, I'm sure, the time that would have been the closest for the Father just, just stop it right there. What, what awful accusations about Jesus. That's what they said. Getting back to Psalm chapter 22, verse number 14. This, he goes on in his agony. He goes on in his portrayal. Hard to... It's hard to go over these things because he's my, he's my Savior. He's your Savior. But this is what happened to him on the cross. I'm poured out like water. They say one of the most cruciating aspects of the crucifixion is dehydration. All the fluids of a body is just with the blood, just gone. I'm poured out like water. He goes on to say, and all my bones are out of joint. They say that this occurs when the, 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 the victim is placed on that cross where he's tied or nailed, and, and they take that, that large 
uh, timber and they, they bring it up to fall into the hole that's, that's prepared for it and they get it up there you know, a few feet higher and then they drop it into the, to the hole as, as the, 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 the criminal's on that cross and when it comes down, it, the body is jarred where, where bones actually... He goes on to say, my heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws. Now has brought me into dust of death. Folks, this is, this is precise. In verse number 16, can't get out of a crucifixion here. This is what they say about it. He said, they pierced my hands and my feet. Something that wasn't practiced for hundreds of years yet? Nelson's Bible Dictionary says of crucifixion, crucifixion involved attaching a victim with nails through the wrist or with leather thongs to a crossbeam attached to a vertical stake. Sometimes blocks or pins were put on the stake to give the victim some support as he hung suspended from the crossbeam. At times, the feet were also nailed to the vertical stake. <clears throat> now... <clears throat> Those two thieves that were crucified with Jesus, the Bible doesn't say that they were nailed to the cross. They may have been tied to the cross, but it was very clear what happened to Jesus. They nailed, they nailed his, his, his body to the cross, his hands and his feet. It goes on to say, as the victim hung dangling by the arms, the blood could no longer circulate to his vital organs. Only by supporting himself on the cedar pin could the victim gain relief. But gradually, <clears throat> exhaustion set in and death followed. Although usually not for several days, if the victim had been severely beaten, he would not live in this long. To hasten death, the executioner sometimes broke the victim's legs with a club. Then he could no longer support his body to keep blood circulating and death quickly followed. Usually bodies were left to rot or be eaten by scavengers. You see what happened to Jesus when he was there on the cross. No matter how, how painful it was, that, that pain, excruciating pain to lift himself up to breathe and then slump down again. By the way, do you know the word excruciating? Excruciate, it's, it's got to do with the cross. It's, it's, it's a derivative of crucifixion. You ever hear, man, that was excruciating. That's where it comes from. The pain is so intense that you know, he had to lift himself to breathe from, from his torn ligaments and arms and hands and feet. Goodness. And you remember when they came to break the, the bones of the criminals because they wanted to hurry up. The, there was a holy day coming. They had to get the, 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 the criminals off the, the, the uh, uh, torture uh, uh, devices. But Jesus was already dead. They broke the legs of the uh, thieves on both sides so they died of suffocation soon but Jesus was already gone <clears throat> verse 17 the psalm goes uh, it continues verse 17 I may tell all my bones they look and stare upon me they part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture with ex exactly what had taken place what an awful portrait how could this how could this be our, our almighty messiah how could this be a picture of the exalted one the Messiah, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the, the Savior, the Sovereign King. How could this be a picture of that? But sure enough, it was. 
the exalted, the anointed one. It was indeed a problem for the prophets and for the Jews and for those who were not understanding, not grasping that this also was a snapshot of the Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm 22, he was the, the sacrificed lamb. Psalm 23, he was the shepherd that's, that's with us at all times and gives comfort. Psalm 24, he's the king of kings, the sovereign in power to sit on the throne, but it was all the same person. Messiah is both sovereign, the shepherd, and the sacrifice. He's associated with the crown and the crook and the cross. Now, Daniel's writing about this, and Daniel's on overlord. He's, he's writing about this Messiah, this king to come, and it says he shall be cut off. What? What in the world? <clears throat> Before we leave this aspect of the, these verses, a few questions. Let me ask you something. When is the fulfillment of Messiah's sacrifice, or maybe I should say it this way, when was that fulfillment of Psalm 22, the Lord Jesus Christ's sacrifice? Well, that was about 2,000 years ago now. That's a historical event. We all know about that. If you, if you wrote a check for the, your offering today, you're, you're dating it July, let's see, what is this? July 21st, 2019 A.D., Anno Domini, or in the year of our Lord. I know we're trying to get away from that, but you know what? There, there, there's, there's even our, our financial uh, uh, systems over the, over the globe recognize the time that Jesus Christ came and, and he did that. That's when it happened. That was the fulfillment of Messiah's sacrifice. In the 483rd year of Daniel's prophecy, or the 69th week, exactly, exactly like Daniel prophesied. Exactly when he says, hey, when this takes place, th then the Messiah shall be cut off. And it had taken place just like God said. Let me ask you this. When is the fulfillment of Messiah being the shepherd? Well, that's in any age. Folks, I don't know about you, but he's my shepherd. I know him that way, don't you? Aren't you glad that he's your shepherd just like it was David's shepherd? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want him. I mean, he provides everything for me. He feeds me. He protects me. He, he comforts my soul. He's my shepherd. Hey, folks, he's been the shepherd for all of those that follow him, and that's going on today. When will his coronation take place? When he's the king of glory that shall come in, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Well, you know, folks, hadn't seen that yet. That's coming right now. We see Jesus as the despised and the rejected one. The picture of his crucifixion is in all of our minds and our focus today. But that one mighty in battle, the victorious king, the, the consummation of the prophecies of putting all his enemies under his footstool, not yet, folks. That's coming, but it's... It's sooner than you think. Revelation chapter 19, look at what the Bible says. And this is, this is a, a prophecy of how it will be. In verse number 11, I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. Hey, listen, that's our Savior. He's coming. Verse 12 says, on his head were many crowns. Go down to verse number 15, and it says, And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God, and he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. That's our Savior, folks. And he's coming, and he's coming soon. That did not take place yet. Then who is this Messiah? Who is he at any given time? 
Who is he before the ultimate inauguration? Is, let me ask you something. Is Jesus king today? You know what Jesus says? Do not I know that I'm in charge? Do not I know that I'm the king and I, and I have all authority? And there's those that, that will accuse and those who will deny and those who will scoff and those who will, will, will tear down and try to uh, 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 throw accusation. And, and, uh, and you, folks, that's going on today. That is going on today. And Jesus could just go, you know. Here's this, you know, atheist scoffer that wants to, okay, you're done. You know. You know what? But the Lord says the same thing that, that David did. Do not I know that I'm the king? Folks, he was the king when he was the sacrifice. He's the king as a shepherd. And he's the king to come. He is king today. What we need to do is we need to love him as our sacrifice lamb. See, by the way, the way that you get to know this king is through Psalm 22. His sacrifice. Being that, being that sacrifice that was laid down for you, that loves you more than anybody has ever loved you. Cares for you so much that he would lay down his life on the cross voluntarily to bear your sin and my sin. And you get to know him there as your sacrifice. As that sacrifice lamb for you, he'll become your shepherd and, and he's your king forever although the aspects of his redemption take place at different times the recognition of all his character is required by those who come to him see Daniel saw him as the most holy the exalted one and the Messiah who would be cut off I don't know that he understood all of that but he understood this, this is my Messiah he's the one that will be cut off but he's the king of kings and Lord of Lords. <clears throat> Although you may hear or learn of his power, his majesty, his authority, his wisdom, to enter into salvation covenant with him, you've got to first learn his sacrifice, his love, his grace, his blood, his death. Isaiah 9, 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God. Folks, Folks, it's talking about a, a babe. A, he's coming as a baby. Uh, you know, his, uh, his uh, throne, there shall be no end, the Bible says there. How is it that he can be seen as a babe, a sacrificed lamb, and also the divine king, the mighty God? Because his nature doesn't change. The adoration or the hatred of the world doesn't alter who he is Christ does not change, never has, never will. <clears throat> now, David was either on the throne or escaping rebellion of Absalom's betrayal, but was he any less king? You know, he made that very clear. No, I know I'm king. Don't worry about that. Regardless, either of his accepting veneration or fielding stones from Shimei, he remained king. Nothing diminished David's power. David's popularity didn't detract the power of of his command, one iota. Even those that, that opposed him, folks, we live in, a, in a, a society that opposes our Savior and that will, will accuse our Savior and will reject our Savior. But you know what? It doesn't change the power of our King Jesus, not one iota. 
The king is unaltered. See, now your fate, my fate, my destiny, your fortune or your ruin all hinges upon your attitude towards him, your belief or your rejection of this Jesus. Is he your king? Every head bowed. Nobody looking for just a moment.